Hello, you're listening to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Weight, and sitting here across the table from me is my wife, Kathy Waite. Hello. Uh, welcome back to those of you that have been following along. Uh, we're on to episode 7, and if you're just joining us maybe now, um, welcome. Um, the main concept or premise around our podcast series here is really addressing some of the finer points of our 15th annual base builder training program that we've um, already kind of stepped into. Um, right, week two. Finished up week two, yeah, this this week. Um, and we're going to be addressing um, the concepts of week three, um, but also um, the other kind of meaty part of the podcast or the show today is uh, we want to talk about kind of how to best use your Training Peaks account. Mm-hmm. So Training Peaks is the online software platform that we use to deliver our training plans and, and the Space Builder training program um, to the subscribers. And um, we get a lot of questions every year starting up, people that are unfamiliar with Training Peaks, even people that have used Training Peaks, even like you sometimes have Well, questions. it's a complicated yeah. program. And well, there's so many features. Right. It's simple to use, but if you... If you want to use all the features, it's complicated to learn yeah, the, yeah. the details. And I'll be straight up forward. Like, you, I mean, I've been using Training Peaks, gosh, really since they first kind of came out, which was, I think was like about off the top of my head, I want to say like 15 years ago maybe. Um, and even having using it for about that length of time, like I don't know every single feature, nor do I personally feel that all the features are all that necessary or worthwhile. Uh, no offense to Training Peaks. Um, but there is a lot of, it's a super useful tool, um, and I just want to kind of cover some of the basics as we're getting started. Right, so people are comfortable using it for the basic program that it can be. Right, exactly. Um, and before we get into that, we want to just kind of touch on some of the things we've been up to. We also have a few questions from um, some folks that are already following our Base Builder program, um, and also uh, those that have some questions um, considering joining, so we want to cover those. Um, and then, uh, wrapping up, wrapping it all up with, um, kind of touching on the, the specifics of week three going into the base builder. Um, so again, to reiterate, you know, what is this base builder program we're talking about? You know, for those of you just sort of tuning in and just joining us, it's our annual kind of off season base training progression training program, um, that we've done for, this is our 15th year doing it in person. Um, at various training studios in the Denver area. Um, and now in the last four years at Session 6, uh, Kathy, yours, yours and Yeah, our facility ours, in Lakewood, yeah, Colorado. Our facility. Um, and then we also have a remote program, and that's kind of what this podcast is really directed towards. Those that train with us in-house get to hear us blab on about <laughs> all the details and things as they show up every day. Um, to train with us, but the, the, these recordings or the, the, the episodes here to kind of shed some light on people joining us from around the country. And we even have some international participants as well. Um, and giving some of those insights that we give our in-house people, um, to regardless of where you live. So, um, if you hear anything crazy in the background, a, a bizarre summer storm is coming through Lakewood, Colorado. And we, yeah. Lots of thunder <laughs> so and if you hear hail thunder and, and hail. <laughs> Um, don't be alarmed. Yeah, should, we should be good where we are, but, um, all right. Let's start with what we got to do this week. Yeah, so. Yeah, Wednesday night was the first, uh, 
local cross race weekday series called Back to Basics nearby in Golden, Colorado. Um, it was so much fun. So we want to talk about what we got to do. Yeah. We'll go for it. You're oh, okay. the most well, excited Well, I was about so this. excited about it. <laughs> well, um, if you've listened to previous podcasts or you are, have been around me for the last six months, I haven't been able to race. I, I had an injury that happened in February. It was a from a long ride. I got a chronic. Um, it was an inflammation of the IT band, and it just became this chronic problem. And it, it was very complicated. The physical therapist next door at Cascade sports and PT have been amazing, but I just have kind of a weird body due to a spinal fusion I have. Right. Yeah. Long story short, I'm not really a simple fix ever, but, um, yeah, we've been plugging along trying to figure out how to get me back on the bike. So I am just so excited. I got to race. You finally get to race. Yeah. And I was nervous because my knee was actually a little bit sore, this week after riding on Monday at some trails in Ken Carroll. And I thought, oh gosh, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe I am not ready to race and I'm going to flare it back up again. So I went into it with a little bit of trepidation, but I thought I would just go for it and, and use it as an experiment to see if I could race. Yeah. And you raced yeah, really well. I, yeah. It actually didn't bother me like literally at all. I had sort of some tightness in my right hip, which is the opposite leg, but my left knee did not bother me. Um, so that's the huge win. Um, yeah, I just, I can't say it enough how exciting it was to be racing again, even a quote practice race in, in town. Right. Yeah. It was very clear. You were like thriving as we like to say (laughs) (laughs) out there. We, I mean, maybe you were, maybe you weren't smiling, but it like, I kind of pictured like this big smile. Yeah. I was actually not smiling at all on the outside because I was in so much pain (laughs) (laughs) and I couldn't even swallow because I was so thirsty. I don't know all the cycle across like rules. I'm still so new to this, but I saw everybody else throwing their bottles on the ground at the start line, so I thought I was supposed to do that. <laughs> and then like 15 minutes into the 30-minute race, I couldn't swallow and I started panicking. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to like, "Oh my gosh, don't panic. You you can do this." Right. But it was dusty and windy and I haven't gotten my heart rate up that high in 6 months, so I yeah, I was suffering quite a bit there. Yeah, being on familiar with the higher heart rate. But yeah. what's interesting is your the, the training you have been able to do has been very slow, low heart rate stuff that we talked about in the last podcast. And it goes to show that even though you haven't done a, really a single interval. Not not one almost interval. Almost like since yeah. February on the trainer way back in our last mm-hmm. Base Builder program. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you still, well, you could still push yourself. You oh could still gosh. go hard. You still raced well. Like Well, I did. Uh, <laughs> it was the kind of this grand experiment, like what will this be like when I haven't done one interval? I've just been keeping my heart rate low. I haven't done a ride over three hours, and most of my rides have been more in the hour and a half to two and a half hour range. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been consistent with bike rides and strength training, but nothing intense. Um, but yeah, it paid off. Like I, I race in the B category, which is kind of like racing JV. I don't have any points yet to speak of, and I'm not really sure how the whole thing works, to be honest. So I, I lined up with the B category, and that also included 13 to 14-year-old girls, and they were little badasses. Like right they, up the line. Oh, my gosh. They're awesome. So they, they shot off the line, and I just I hung on to their wheels for dear life. Um, and three minutes into the 30-minute race, I had a moment of, oh, my gosh, this is so painful. I'm not going to be able to do this. But I did. You know, yeah. that I don't mind suffering once I get into it. Right. Well, often getting... It's like the first interval yeah. in oh a set gosh. of intervals is often the most uncomfortable because you're, like, still warming up. And 
getting yeah, through that. Yeah, but it was pain. awesome. Um, my stats afterwards were kind of crazy. I held a 169 heart rate for 20 minutes. Right. Which for me is super high. Yeah. My, my max heart rate is 182. So, and I definitely felt it. I had a headache afterwards. Right. Um, yeah, I was very thirsty. But, and I ended up winning the B race. So, yeah. yay. You'll it was be, so much fun. You'll be moving up the, the categories pretty yeah. quickly, I think. And Oh, I loved everything about it. So. I, I'm, I have no doubt you'll be competitive in the 40-plus women's race for sure. So later on in the, the cyclocross season. Um, yeah, well, good work. We have a few more of those on Wednesday nights. And then this Saturday is the first sort of like season opener, I guess, of the cyclocross season here in Colorado. So we'll be doing that. I raced as well. Yeah, I, I had fun. What happened? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I ended up wiping out, um, being unfamiliar with the limitations of traction and handling i suppose of the narrower tires and things but again i was gaining confidence each lap and going faster faster pushing those limits and well you happen to wipe out on kind of the one tricky turn on a fast part like yeah it's very bumpy you would, fast you're like going 20 miles an hour you the turn tire, the corner and it's very rutted out yeah and the front tire just washed out but what was amazing is i hit the ground and more or less bounced right back up um crediting crediting that uh, strength training keeping yeah. me safe um little pitch towards that but um it yeah it bent my derailleur hanger a little bit but after kind of inspecting it and looking at it, i was able to kind of bend it back enough to get going and finish but um long story short it yeah it was fun i mean i'm i'm excited to do cross this year i haven't done it in quite a few years like f- close to 20 years ago it sounds crazy to say that but um since i did like a full season and i've done a race here and there over the years but usually this time of year i'm coming off of well for a long time it was coming off of a very long triathlon racing season that actually goes all the way through october and like i didn't had no interest in racing and um and now having kind of the mountain bike season focus we had wrap up sort of early taken my couple weeks really low chill you know to recover and now it's like okay i get sort of a second season a second wind yeah let's do this again yeah so it'll be fun and now i'm I'm really motivated and honestly um on the training front yeah i mean i'm feeling good i think you are too and you know it's i've been this the last two weeks getting back into the routine following our base builder program um yeah i think that break was really good for you it it definitely refreshed you yeah and you're happy to pack up and head up to the Harlow Plaza this weekend. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in years past, both of us were just so worn out and tired from racing. Yeah. We had no interest. I needed to take a break during... Like a long, season. long break. Yeah. But, so. And I'd also say for me, and this is maybe just a an encouragement to people out there, especially women listening, um, that like the reason I'd never raced previously was not... Well, there was two reasons. A, I was tired from a long summer season. Summer season, yeah. Triathlon or mountain biking. But... Honestly, it's because I was intimidated by it. I was insecure about my bike handling skills. I was afraid to hurt myself. Just intimidated by learning something new. Yeah. And we had friends that would talk about it all the time. Yeah. Oh, you got to try it. Tom Miser, Michael Voss. Yeah. Brian Campbell. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just glad that I finally got brave last year at the end of the season and jumped into two races and um, realized... No, I can do this, and I can, and also it's just fun to learn new skills and push yourself. Yeah. So give it a try. Um, it, it can be intimidating, but once you get there, it's actually not. Yeah, it's got a good feel around it, and it is it is fun. So we'll look forward to that for the next uh, what eleven, twelve weeks or so yeah. of the season. So 
Uh, all right, let's move on to some of our questions. Well, these are sort of our well, we get I get training questions from people all the time, um, emails asking about our various training plans and everything. But these ones are starting to be more surrounding like the specifics of our uh, base builder program. So we'll probably start including a couple of questions in every episode here that um, ideally it's things that we think that maybe other others of you out there listening might have the same or similar questions. So maybe we can answer one person's specific question and, you know, answer many other people's questions in the same time. So, um, Cody, did you receive these questions on our website forum? No, I did not. So that's a good, these, I got actually direct emails, people sending me, um, we, our forum as of now is up and active, but there's no activity really. So maybe you and I, yeah, people can. Oh yeah. It's fully functioning and maybe you and I need to get on there and like stir stir the pot or whatever, but yeah, anyone, really anyone can access it and, and get involved. You don't have to be a member or a client or anything. Um, but it, you know, it's intended to be surrounding training and, you know, there's different categories in there, but yeah, jump on our website, endurance.session6.com. There's a, it's forward slash forum, or there's a link on the top navigation bar for forum. Click on that and, um, you'll get into it. You have to register, I think just with your email, if I remember right, um, to use it, but there's no other like connection and we're not going to spam you or sell your email to anybody. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal place. If you have questions, go on there and ask them. And then everyone involved within the forum then can see the question and also give their two cents, um, on it. And then you and I can log in there, you know, daily or however often and look at stuff and give our two cents as well. So, uh, but for now, these are directly emailed to me. Um, just this last week I had probably three people asking the same or similar question, which is like, you know, I've listened to your podcast. It sounds great. You know, have I, how do I, you know, have I missed the boat, so to speak, of getting in on the remote base builder program because it's, we're two weeks into it. Um, have they missed the boat? Have they missed the boat? No, the, maybe the boat has left the dock, but it's moving extremely slowly. Right. 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 Um, so yeah, exactly. Jump in the first eight weeks of our base builder, remote base builder and in-house base builder program. Um, is geared heavily towards just like the introductory phase of strength training. And that was actually like our episode three, um, where we talked all about that in our podcast. I think four, but Or episode yeah. four. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So they've missed a little bit, but not too much at all. Like they, there's plenty of time to join in. Yeah. You can get caught up easily. Um, right. Because we, we purposely put the weights and the movements really like beginner level. Right. And, and learn the idea of the first eight weeks is learning all the movements, getting comfortable with them and gradually with on the strength training side of things, gradually increasing weights, kind of getting close to identifying sort of your current weightlifting capability that we then base your lifting program and protocol of loads in the next eight week block. So correct. And the Bike focus is just easy rides outside, right? With possibly a cyclocross race, yeah, or end of season road or mountain bike race or right. whatever. So, um, so, so you're long, not, yeah, you haven't missed out. Is yeah, the point. long answer short is yeah, the it's intended to people can easily join and start with us between now and really um, the like November basically um, November 
right the very last week of October is when we start the second block with the structured bike training and the more progressive uh, building of the strength side. And that's when, like, if you miss a few weeks of that, then you'd, quote, maybe be behind a little bit. But these first eight weeks is, like, kind of like an on-ramp, you know, getting going, getting your routine, getting set up. So you have not missed the boat completely, um, and you can get caught up. And we'll have, you know, it, getting people started now and in the next several weeks, we can easily get you up to speed, give you some advice and direction on how to kind of work through the strength training phases to get used to everything and basically caught up and up to speed. So um, if the... Did you have well, yeah, one more thing. We actually have a few spots left in-house too. So if you're listening in your local and you'd actually like the one-on-one, or not the one-on-one, but like the, the group the group interaction yeah. and where I can watch your form while you're lifting, please reach out and, and join our in-house program as yeah. well. And our trainer portion of that, again, doesn't start until basically November 1st. Um, and uh, yeah, we have a few spots. I think we have one noon spot, two or three four thirty p.m. trainer slots, and then I think just two six fifteen p.m. trainer slots. So it is filling up, um, but there's still some room there. And to join our remote program, um, this is turning into a big commercial. But to join our remote program, you can do that online endurance.session6.com under the group tab. Um, the fourth one down there, it says Remote Base Builder Program. You click on that. It has lots of explanations and a sign-up link and everything for that. Um, and like I said, you sign up for that. I get an email that Joe, Joe John Doe has signed up, and um, I respond back to you, get you all set up, and we'll give you some directions on how to sort of get caught, caught up on things, and then you can join us. So um, I know I've got some people from Arizona that are going to be joining us, in, I think, next week. Um, and some other, a couple other states and, uh, someone from Finland, I believe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we've got, we're going international. Oh uh, yeah. Big time. Big time. So join us. It'll be fun. Um, all right. Another question from Jeff, um, based around the low heart rate training, which was episode six, the last episode in the podcast said that he explained he was having some trouble keeping his heart rate down on the hills that he's riding. Um, I think he lives here in the front range Denver area and he was explaining some rides on some hills he was doing. And he was asking, you know, should I not ride hills and stick to flatter terrain? Um, or he, what he discovered is that if he slows his cadence way down, um, it kind of helps his lower his heart rate or keep his heart rate in check on that. Um, what, what do you, cause you've had some, yeah, this is a great question. Uh, we talked, we've been talking about low heart rate, with a lot of our friends too lately. Um, well, I think that you should, as a general rule, stick to flatter or rolling hills if you're wanting to keep your heart rate low. You can do some climbing. I, I have climbed Lookout Mountain, which is our local fun mountain climb in Golden, and kept my heart rate low, but it does put additional strain on possibly your knees because you're keeping a low cadence. So you have to like kind of be ready to do that and like feel strong and not have like niggles in your, in your knees. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, in general, I think it's better to keep more of a rolling hills or flatter train, which can be challenging in, in our area here, but it's also doable on bike paths or, Right. I don't know, city rides. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Stick with basically the, the less aerobically fit you are, the, and, or the 
extra maybe weight that you might be carrying on your body right now, if you're a little carrying a 10 extra pounds or something, it the, basically you need to stick with flatter terrain to keep your heart rate down. Otherwise, as soon as you start going up an incline, you know, the heart rate gets too high. So stick with the flatter terrain, and then as you gain more aerobic fitness and or lose some weight, um, you will be able to find yourself, one, either riding that flat terrain at a little higher pace, either speed or power output, um, and then you can kind of then progress to more like low grade hills and then eventually steep hills. And when, you know, the, the, the most aerobically fit people can go ride most any hills. I mean, with the exception of the steepest, but can ride very mountainous terrain and, and with proper gearing and whatnot, can keep your, keep their heart rate in check and yeah, um, very true. Cause yeah. I don't think you'd have any problem. Yeah, riding. I can go ride hilly terrain yeah. very easily. And, um, and I can, if I'm feeling good. I'm not exhausted or it's not too hot. I mentioned in a, I think it was last week's podcast that I tried to ride Lookout, the, the mountain, and it was 100 or 95 degrees outside and there's no way I could keep my heart rate down. So I turned around and opted for flat return yeah, that day. There are some external factors for sure to keep in mind. But so in general, to answer Jeff's question, you know, when you're starting out if and you're just like super frustrated that your heart rate you can't keep it down under that, you know, 70% of max range where we're sort of targeting for the first several weeks of the program is yeah. Find the flatter terrain and slow down a little bit and keep that heart rate in check. And then what's motivating and encouraging is it doesn't take long, a few weeks of riding like that. And then you'll notice, Oh, now I can start going up, you know, a, a little bit hillier route by my house that I couldn't do before. And now I can bing, that's, automatic indication that you're becoming more aerobically fit um and then you'll progress exactly. to more and more hilly routes um and as, in terms of the lowering your cadence stuff we actually will get into low cadence kind of strength training on the bike kind of intervals um but i'd like to save those for a little bit later um kind of like block two because first we want to establish this aerobic fitness base and then we go into kind of more of a strength aerobic strength Inter, you know, when we do those big gear, right. low I, cadence. I actually like doing those too. Yeah. And those um, are great on the trainer or the road. But so basically stick with flatter terrain at first, build up to the hillier terrain, and then we'll work on the low gear strength pedaling later. Um, I think that covered it. Jeff. Yeah. And then one more question here before we get into the the meaty stuff. Um, this one comes from Quentin, local, local guy. You know Quentin. Yeah. Um, He's on our remote base builder program. So he lives in Denver, but he's a firefighter, fireman. And um, they have, you know, Strange tricky schedule, schedules. schedules. For work. Yeah. So he opted for the remote program. It's great to have him training with us. So he had a question um, about he likes to run and in the winter ski. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm assuming it's cross country, but even downhill is fine. Um, and include that in. Oh, so as, his question was how do I include the cross training yeah. in with what we have scheduled for them. Right. So yeah, cause he, he wants to be able to keep some of that running and skiing in. Yeah. What do you think? Um, oh, I think it's a great idea. Um, when we're training aerobic fitness, I think I said this once before, but when we're training aerobic fitness, your heart, your aerobic system doesn't really care what you're doing. If you're riding your bike, if you're running, if you're going up and down stairs, if you're doing jumping jacks, it doesn't Pickleball. matter. Pickleball. If it's, I guess, my latest obsession, continuously, Maybe there's too much stopping and starting in pickleball, but um, 
but yeah, any kind of like continuous movement that gets your heart rate elevated to that aerobic level will build aerobic fitness. Um, now, what running won't do for cyclists is train the cycling-specific muscles. So our muscles need the specific activity, that specificity of what you're training for. But your heart and your aerobic system doesn't matter. So cross, that's why cross-training works. You can go do um, other activities that are different from a muscular standpoint, but still get all the aerobic benefits um, of the training there. So when Quentin, Quentin is looking at his training peaks plan that you've uploaded for him, like in the wintertime, he'll have two strength sessions, two bike sessions, which will possibly be done in the trainer. You, you would still want him to do those four specific sessions, but then instead of doing sort of the extra work, the extra bike rides, you're saying substitute those for... You're running, you're cross-country skiing, you're downhill skiing. Yes, that can definitely be an option. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, I couldn't really Yeah, because you want to hit those key sessions. Yeah, when, when we get into the meat of it, exactly that. It's like those two strength sessions, two trainer sessions. Those That covers your weekday stuff. Then any of the extra stuff on the weekends um, can be replaced. Instead of a two-hour ride, you can go do a, a hike or a ski or a run or whatever. Um, and it will still get you that aerobic fitness. Yeah. Well, it's a good question because in Colorado, we're going to have a lot of people who have interest in heading to the mountains yeah, over the weekends. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's, uh, well, thanks for those questions. Keep yeah. them coming. It's, it's fun to have interaction with our listeners and our athletes. Yeah, definitely. Keep those coming. All right. Let's move on to, uh, how to best use your training peaks account. Um, so Training Peaks, like I said at the beginning of the show here, is is an online platform, software platform that we use to create all our training plans, training programs. That's how we deliver our remote base builder program, and we also provide it to our in-house athletes. Of um, It's essentially a training calendar where the individual or the individual's coach can put workouts on um, and kind of lay out their whole training schedule. Um, then it's also a training log because you can then upload and enter workout data from your Wahoo or Garmin um, or just manually enter time and distance. There's all kinds of metrics you can keep track of. Um, and then on a more advanced level, there's a lot of like planning and kind of data analysis capabilities. Um, now, Training Peaks comes in sort of in, in two formats. There's the basic account, which is free. And that has the calendar function and the log function. So you can deliver a training program and then upload your data and log it and um, keep track of it. Um, and then there's the premium version where you, you have more of those advanced features with like um, kind of planning your season. And, and analyzing the data. Analyzing the yeah. data, exactly. And tracking like your... TSS scores and your CTL and all these things on the performance management chart. A lot of acronyms. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> acronyms. And we're going to definitely dig deeper into those components in a future podcast where we're going to be talking about kind of laying out your um, kind of your whole training season. Um, but that's not what we're going to talk about today, those advanced stuff. But more of the getting started, more of the 
basic to intermediate level stuff here that we feel is uh, the most important for those following our uh, training programs. Um, so I think, you know, once you've got your training peaks and if you're on a remote base builder program and, you know, the, the workouts are all on there, you know, you can see actually everything you're going to be doing now through April um, when it wraps up in the spring and um, it's all on there. So from this point forward, now it's up to you, the athlete, to obviously get the work done, do the training, and then if you care to, keep track of it and enter the data into your training peaks to kind of so, collect it. So how does one enter the data? So good question. So you kind of have two options. One is if you're on the more advanced side of things and you have a bicycle computer, so we're talking like a Wahoo Element or a Garmin device, um, there's others out there as well, that you can link to your training peaks and have it basically automatically upload right. in today's world. Um, so like you stop, you hit the stop button on your device and maybe it's like save and then it does its little thing and shoots it to the internet somehow and it's automatically And voila, entered. it's there. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember back in the day... Some of the early like polar heart rate monitors, you had this big bulky thing you had to like plug into your computer and then you... Oh, did you transfer all the data? Yeah, you had to put oh the gosh. watch like in this little cradle and it took a long time and it created like a little file and then you had to like drag and drop that into the into the training peaks oh way back gosh. when. It, yeah, it was like a big ordeal. I mean, it was like a half an hour worth of posts. But didn't workout. you tell me that when you first started training with Arnie Baker as a young 20-year-old that you would fax him oh, yeah. spreadsheets, fax <laughs> yes, him spreadsheets. Yeah. So he had like a, it was probably an Excel spreadsheet because they had Excel back then, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, oh and it was gosh. like a one-page document that I would then print out and then I would handwrite, like I rode for three hours, covered 55 miles, X number of feet of climbing um, that I collected on my Polar heart rate monitor. And then, yeah, at the end of the week, I'd manually, like, add up stuff and then oh fax gosh. in that so he could kind of see it and keep track of it. And then we'd go from there. So, yeah, the times of – it's so much easier now. I mean, it's almost – once you have it set up, it's almost, like, effortless. Yes. Um, uh, but you know, someone asked me in, in class the other day, Brian, about the strength sessions, like, uploading those automatically. And they could upload automatically if you were wearing a heart rate strap and – some sort of watch device in class. But most people, and how we do it is, after we complete a strength session, we'll log into our Training Pinks account and manually say we've completed the workout and, and put the yeah, TSS score in there. exactly. So, yeah, anything that's not recorded by your device, so, yeah, the strength session. It just takes a second, but yeah, I like to keep track of everything I've done. Yeah, well, and the other useful thing, too, is Training Peaks has a free app that you get on your phone, um, and then, so like at the end of your strength session, you can, you know, go into the app and say it was one hour and, um, you could, if you want to put exactly what you did, the weights you lifted, you know, you can get as, collect as much information as you want to put into it, um, and do that. But yeah, the strength ones you manually enter, um, to get in there. Um, so back to the cycling side of things, um, if if you don't have a computer or you don't care or you're not tech savvy enough or whatever to have it automatically upload, you can also manually upload that as well. 
Because you're putting a projected TSS score in there anyway, a training stress score. It is. So if they haven't uploaded their data, but they want to go in and manually say they've done the work, they could just kind of copy and paste what you were projecting yeah. that workout to equal in terms of training stress score. Yeah, depending on the workout that I created, it might say two-hour aerobic ride. Well, usually the aerobic rides, they give a range, so it gets a little trickier. But, sure, sure. And then, there, yeah, there's like kind of an estimated TSS score that you might Yeah, and maybe there. we're jumping ahead of ourselves yeah, about the TSS score, so we'll come back to that. Okay. Um well, let's just talk about it since we're there. So TSS is training stress score, and it's a metric that was developed um, by Hunter Allen and Andy Coggin, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, 10-ish years ago. And they are sort of the gurus credited for some of the early power meter-based training. Um, they've been affiliated with Training Peaks on different levels over the years. And it's now it's this um, actually copyrighted... Um, acronym or metric, um, training stress score, TSS. But in a nutshell, what TSS is, is it's a calculation that allows a user to um, quantify sort of the training stress or the load that was applied from training um, relative to the duration of the ride and the intensity of the ride. So it's a way you can kind of compare a 30-minute cyclocross race like you did last night um, to a three-hour easy-paced, you know, low heart rate endurance ride. Right. You know, it's possible that those could actually have very similar TSS scores, even though with maybe the warm-up, it was like an hour-long total ride for you last night. Um, And versus a three-hour endurance ride, the... They may actually have similar training stress, but one is like longer, slower, easier, and one was shorter, faster, harder, right? So it's a really interesting way to be able to compare rides to rides to rides. And then also, with in some reason, comparing between people as well. So mm-hmm. if, if all the settings are set correctly, and you and I, we go ride three hours um, over the same course... Um, well, yeah, then actually like our TSS should more or less be somewhat similar. I mean, it's going to, there's some variances. Yeah, in there that, are but, some variables there. But it it's a way to just basically compare the, the training stress you're applying and make it as compatible, I guess, as possible between different types of workouts and rides, whether it's long and easy, hard and fast. Right, right. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, well, and I'm also thinking about our focus on low heart rate right now. So if you and I went together and did our what we call our coffee shop rides, um, your easy pace usually means your heart rate's lower than mine. So well, for I, riding together, yes. my heart rate will be lower than yours. So I may have a little higher TSS score Yeah. because my heart rate was higher for that sustained amount of time. Right. And that's a little interesting, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, training stress score, in my opinion, if you want to, well, if you want to use some of the more advanced features in Training Peaks, you'll want to keep track of the training stress score. Score. Now, the way it's intended to be um, calculated is actually based off your average power um, for the ride, and then it's like multiplied by the minutes of the ride to figure that out um, in a nutshell. Now, if you don't have power, several years back they kind of created a 
a pretty good algorithm that has can use your heart rate as well um, and come up with a heart rate TSS score as well. So you don't have to have power. I think it's probably better and probably a little more accurate if all of it's based off of power. But, um, you know, if you're doing power on your indoor trainer workouts and heart rate on your outdoor endurance rides, in my opinion, it's probably close enough, assuming that you have all your heart rate zones in training peaks correct and your power zones in training peaks correct. Um, but it's a good way. And as long as honestly, if, if you're keeping your zones up to date and we're really comparing like within yourself, the progressions, it's going to be plenty accurate, um, that way. Yeah. And you know, you're looking to sort of accumulate. So instead of just in the old days, it was like how many hours and or miles did you ride the right. volume? That's what you, how you kind of measured your training progress. Now it's like with TSS, and heart rate and power that we have, we can figure out not only like the volume, but also the intensity factor of it. So, right. Well, one of the ways I was using training peaks and my TSS score over the past six months, what, as I rehabbed my mm -hmm. injury was just to make sure I didn't do too much because that is my nature <laughs> to do too much. And a few times when my knee would sort of flare up and I was back at the PT's office crying, um, I would take a realistic look. I would go look at my training peaks and go, oh, yeah, I did too much. I didn't think I did too much on Monday and Tuesday, or like day per day. But then when I looked at my weekly weekly TSS score, I realized I did way too much. If it was like 20% more than the previous right. week or whatever. And so yeah. it, that was really good. Frustrating sometimes, but good for me to have some sort of hard data to look at and go, yeah, that's why my knee is sore. I just wasn't ready for that much. Yeah. So it gives us a whole nother metric to quantify. So in the old days, it would have been you rode for so many hours or miles and that's what you went off of. Now the more advanced way to do it is this training stress score. So this all comes down to how like involved do you want to get following our program? You don't have to do any of this, but those of you that are more numbers based, obviously I am very much that way and you've kind of become that way as you've learned yeah, and I'm figured it out. Yeah, I'm definitely as geeky as, as you are. As I am. But, um, <laughs> I appreciate t uh, Training Peaks for some of the very helpful things like TSS score. Right, right. So I would encourage you, if it sounds interesting at all, is to, you know, keep playing with it, figure it out. There's actually a lot of good, like, um, written articles that Training Peaks has. If you just kind of Google it, um, some videos and things in their library, um, of, uh, kind of education and, you know, learning more about it, but it's a great tool. So back to kind of the topic we're trying to address here is how to use your Training Peaks with our program. Um, you know, keeping track of the, the data I would consider the most important or useful or interesting is, um, for cycling is the duration of the ride, um, the mileage that you covered, um, how many feet of climbing. I think that's actually more important than the mileage, but um, duration and climbing to me is the most important. Mileage is still kind of interesting. And then any of the heart rate and or power data that you have available. So, you know, like I said at the beginning, when you automatically upload your workout files, the heart rate, if you're assuming you're wearing heart rate, will be uploaded in there. And then power, assuming you have power, will be uploaded in there. And then from heart rate or power is what the TSS score will be calculated. And that'll kind of auto-populate in there as well. Um, now, if you don't have heart rate or power, well, first of all, you should definitely have heart rate. I'm a big fan of it. If you don't have it, it's not that expensive. 
Right. It's get very it. valuable. It's, it's useful. Worth, it's yeah. Worth the I mean, to, few bucks. Very much of our entire program is built around heart rate, aerobic fitness, building that base. I think heart rate is so critical. And then later on, when we're doing higher intensity stuff, power becomes super useful as well. Um, but heart rate is a pretty low cost entry into the game, and most people have it already anyway. Um, it can calculate the heart rate TSS for you that way. Um, <clears throat> then you can also opt to add in additional like comments and notes. Um, now, these are not things that I or you will necessarily see because we don't really review our base builder program athletes like we would our coaching athletes. Um, but it's still useful for you, the person recording, um, to then maybe look at historically. So like next year and you're maybe repeating something similar and you want to see what you did, look at the notes you had or, you know, in a, a couple weeks from now. It's just interesting to keep the Yeah, for a couple of different reasons. I, I think of two scenarios here. Yeah. Reading comments historically if you're rehabbing from an injury. Yes, that's true. Because, I mean, that one of the things that David, one of the PTs, would say to me is, please write notes. Like, yeah. you, you did specifically what on Tuesday and how did your knee feel on Wednesday? And I was very bad at it. Yeah. And it was frustrating for him to not know specifically. And, yeah, to interrupt, I've had issues, like where I couldn't remember if it was the right leg or the left leg that was giving me trouble. Oh, interesting. You know, and I want to go back and see, oh, my right leg's bothering me. Was it that six months ago? And I was like, shoot, I can't remember if my right, right or right. left. So it's helpful just to write little notes like that in there. Yeah, Yeah. so if I think in any kind of injury situation or the other side of it is race prep. Like, I had an amazing race. Yes. At, and what did I do that week besides kind of the obvious metrics? But like, how did I feel? Um, even things like with your sleep or right. what you ate or... Yeah. And then you take it to like the equipment level, maybe like a specific tire right, right. or a specific course or pressure, little notes like that. Yeah, that's perfect it's for It's like those the comment, secret sauce of the race that if you box. put it in the comments box, it might help you yep. next year when you're planning for yeah, it. Yeah, or if, like following the same trend, if you had a really great race and you want to know... You, if you write down exactly what you consumed calorie-wise. Oh, and, right, or you know, your warm-up or something. Yeah, things like that. So so there is that, that comment or note box. So, you know, use it as much or as little as you want, but it's there and it, it can be very helpful. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When If you have a new a new person using the basic level and they've never done training peaks before, do they need to go into settings and, and put some things into, like, their heart rate zones? Yeah, that's what I was going to actually get to oh. next. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Good segue. Um, so, yeah, the, the zones, your, your training zones are critical, um, particularly for calculating accurate TSS scores, okay, which we just talked about. So TSS scores ideally are... You know, originally we were intended to be developed off of power. So you, if you were training with power, which many of you following the base builder program at least will be like on a smart trainer, um, you want to make sure you do that correctly and through the testing, which we will incorporate when we start off block two, when we get into more of the structured cycling program. Um, if you're going based off of heart rate, you need to enter in the proper like heart rate numbers into training peaks. Now, that all being said... Our testing protocol that we will get to a few, in a handful of weeks from now will create some zones that are completely different than what Training Peaks has as zones. And training zones are kind of this like personal, like coach's preference, athlete's preference. They, some people go by three zones, four zones, five zones. I've seen as many as like eight or nine zones, which is excessive. 
you know, so the, the actual zones are sort of like personal and opinion, honestly. Um, but what's important in training peaks is to get um, that FTP number if you're using power, um, functional threshold power, because that's what the TSS score is based off of. Even though personally I'm not a big fan of FTP, you still need to know it for training peaks and to calculate TSS. And then likewise for heart rate, they, um, the most common one used in training peaks is based off of like your lactate threshold heart rate, um, which is sort of that like steady, highest intensity, like st sustainable heart rate. Um, so if you do like a race, it's probably, let's say an hour long race, it's roughly what your average heart rate would be. Um, entering those in are kind of the crucial numbers that training peaks uses to calculate TSS. Okay. So it's, it can be a little confusing because later on when we do our testing, um, you're going to get a whole set of training zones, both heart rate and power based, um, that we'll use and refer to in our training. Mm -hmm. And it will give you a, a FTP number to, that, to then put into your training peaks. And we can identify that anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold heart rate to put into training peaks. Um, but we're not going to train off of the zones that training peaks computes for us. Right. Okay. So now people's heads might be spinning. Might be spinning a little right. bit. <laughs> but we'll talk about it again when we get to our testing. Protocol. We will. Yeah. So we'll test, we'll, we'll get into these tests, um, the very first week of the second block. So right around that first week of November. Um, and we'll talk about it probably a week or two ahead of time. So you know what you're in for, but if you're on the program now, go ahead and look ahead and you can look at that test, and even if you maybe you haven't raced much this year, or you, you really have no idea what your you know FTP might be, or your um, lactate threshold, heart rate, or whatever, you can go ahead and just do the test now on your own if you want, um, and figure it out and get kind of a benchmark number. Especially if you haven't been like, like in your case, it actually might not be a horrible idea oh since you haven't been it's racing. Too painful. Much. It is. <laughs> yeah, the anaerobic part is for sure, but. Otherwise, you know, if you've been racing or you have a good idea of what your threshold heart rate is, put that in the training peaks. If you have a rough idea of what your FTP is, you can put that into training peaks um, now so you're so you get those accurate TSS scores. And then every time we test, we get a new round. That your lactate threshold heart rate doesn't change a whole lot, but your FTP number will fluctuate based on how fit you are, um, and you want to keep those updated. Yeah, that remember that conversation we had a few weeks ago where I told you what TSS score I was getting on some of my easy rides. And it and seemed too high, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, Kathy, your, your FTP score is completely wrong. I'm like, no, I, I, I haven't been quote training. So I lowered it to, I think it was like 185. Yeah, you kind of estimated what it yeah, would yeah. be. Yeah. And, I, and, but it wasn't making sense for you because you kind of know from all the years of doing this that an, an hour easy ride should equal 20, 25. Right. TSS. Right. Something. So yeah. and you were getting like 50, like kind of almost double. Right. right. So I bumped my TSS or my FTP back up to 200, I think, or 215. I can't remember. And it seems more accurate, but yeah, it can be a little bit weird if you haven't tested. Um, but soon enough I will test yeah, soon and enough. then I will know the exact, <laughs> but it does make more sense to have bumped it up for me personally. Right. Right. So in a nutshell, those of on the program, like Go, go into your Training Peaks account. Make sure you've at, at least relatively close to accurate of what your anaerobic or lactate threshold heart rate is. And then also roughly that FTP number. So, um, you know, in my opinion, it's better to be a little conservative and lower on those numbers than higher. 
which most people tend to want to do, especially with FTP, um, but uh, to get accurate calculations done. But making sure, you know, you're not running your FTP from back in July when you were at a peak. Now in September, you know, likely, if, you know, in my case, I know I've come down somewhat, so it's a little lower. So you have to kind of adjust accordingly. Um, and really, you could choose to test if you want to, but we're, um, we'll get to that as a definite thing in the coming weeks here. Um, we talked about, yeah, recording gym sessions is manual cross-training sessions. Um, you know, if you go running, um, you can either record your heart rate and upload it or just kind of manually enter it. Um, but in, let's talk real quick about TSS for gym sessions because I think... Yeah, we had a big debate. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big debate in the training world, I suppose. Some some coaches say, like, TSS scores should only be sort of related to aerobic activity, meaning like cycling and running and, and whatnot, and not strength training. Although I personally feel, I think you're on board with this at least. I, I agree that it's still a strength training stress. Yeah. yeah, still stress on your body. Right. But then the tricky part is like how many points or what TSS yeah. score do you give a given strength training workout? Because the strength training we do is relatively low paced. Right. You know, there's a lot of like setup or like, I don't know, tra- transitions yeah, between transition things. Well, I guess I would say don't stress about it too much, yeah. first of all, because we're talking about 10 or 15, 20 points here and there. Um, but I think you and I agreed that an easy, easier strength session, like one we're doing right now, would be more like 10 to 20 TSS. And then as we get more into um, like figure, heavier, yeah, heavy weightlifting, a lot more jumping, certain things like kettlebell swings that get your, that get your get heart rate, rate up, up yeah. then maybe we'd bump it up to like 30 to 40. Yeah. But I can't see us going over that in, okay. a, in That's an hour That's about session. what I'm thinking as well. And think of it too as like a progression. Like our strength training program starts very light and easy. And as the weeks go by, it gets more difficult, right? It yeah. gets heavier and or more reps or whatever the case may be. So the training stress is gradually increasing. So that's why I think week one of strength training is about 10 TSS per workout. It's not much. And then maybe the next week it's 11 and then 12 and it kind of gradually builds up. So when we get towards like the end of this block, when we get to lift a little bit of heavy weights, um, you know, yeah, maybe it's like 25, 30 TSS. Because you know like the next day or two you're going to be a little like off. Yeah, a little sore. Because, maybe, yeah. Maybe not feel like pedaling your bike. It'll take some out of you, yeah. <laughs> um, so using your brain, being progressive about it, and in the program I do give like kind of my estimated or suggested TSS scores for the strength workouts as well as all the cycling ones too. Um, so if you're ever like in doubt, if you did the workout as written, just go with the TSS that I plugged in there unless you feel like you worked harder or easier than what was prescribed. Um, I think is a yeah, good, that's a good, rule of good way to do it. Um, yeah. And then the last little bit is make sure you read, well, number one, record all your workouts and that includes any kind of cross training stuff, particularly aerobic stuff. And that, to me, that includes hiking, especially if it was more vigorous, like up and down hills, um, a run, a run, a swim, um, you know, a continuous vigorous game of basketball quite possibly or some kind of sport like that. You still don't want to count my pickleball. Pickleball. Maybe I'm not good enough at pickleball to (laughs) get my heart right. Rollerblading. Yeah, rollerblading because that's how, you know, that's not much different than Nordic skiing. No, I know. I'm just laughing thinking about my 25-year-old rollerblades in the garage that you keep trying to throw away. Yeah. 
But, um, you know, it gets tricky. You know, where do you draw the line? Because, like, yard work's kind of difficult, but I don't necessarily... Yeah. Maybe don't as... belabor it too much. Yeah. Just get your basic workouts in and move right. on. Right, exactly. Um, but we'll leave it at, make sure at this point, this stage of the game on our program, get in the habit of uploading and recording all your workouts. Make sure you get that duration, any kind of distance covered, um, ideally your heart rate or power data, and getting that at least roughly accurate TSS number in there and that'll start building you'll start collecting the data and it'll start giving you something to look at in six eight weeks in terms of like uh, if you're interested in starting to plan for the future it'll give you that data to work from moving forward and we'll talk a lot more about that in a coming podcast um, kind of planning out your season and you know getting in if you're comfortable with it manipulating your training peaks um, using our workouts to You'll see how you can predict the future of your fitness and TSS. I think that's your favorite part. It is. I like that kind of stuff for sure. <laughs> um, cool. I think we covered like the basics pretty well here. Um, let's move on and run through week three that's coming up. This will go through pretty quickly. Um, well, we just wrapped up week two. You right. coached the gym sessions. Anything? Any takeaways? Anecdotes? Fun stuff that happened in the gym? Um, I well, I. I was glad to hear that people weren't that sore. Just they could feel like they did something. Okay. Um, and I encouraged them again, like yesterday when we worked out, that it still should feel fairly easy. Yeah. And that was okay. Just embrace it. Trust the process. Right. And know that the, the work will get harder. So just be cool right now. Be cool. Yeah. And we have some returning kind of veterans. And then we have a handful or quite a few new people. Right, right. And so they're they're... Liking it? I think everyone is, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I love it. I try it. to throw some fun new core things in there, too. Yeah, that's the perk of doing the in-house stuff is Kathy here likes to throw in like some different uh, core, yeah, warm-ups yeah. and core stuff and even some of the plyometric stuff. So it's slightly different than what we have in our kind of planned schedule here. But um, very good. So going into week three, that'll be next week. Um, uh, we're recording this on Friday, so next week. Um on the strength side of things, um, you're looking at core sets five and six. So we're going to do some fun stuff there. Um, body saws, wood choppers, hamstring ball curls. Oh, all good ones. Um, yeah, things like that that will continue to hit that anterior front side of our core um, obliques and our posterior you know, back sides of our core um, warming up. So that's good stuff. Go to our YouTube channel to... Um, Session 6 Sport Performance YouTube channel to see all those if you're doing this remotely. Um, push and pull sets. Uh, you'll be now going through and repeating. So we have three push and pull sets. You'll have gone through all of those and actually one of them twice already if, if you've done Correct. everything. Right. Um, so we'll be going through those again. Now the progression with push and pull as we go through those is kind of repeated over the next eight weeks or remaining... Uh, Six, Six weeks. weeks, I guess. Um, the The goal here is to keep, if there's any weights involved, to keep the weights the same. And if it's either body weight um, or weights, yeah, gradually increasing, increasing the reps. reps. Exactly. So the focus is on muscular endurance. Uh, and one of the benefits of doing it this way for the first block is that we are also going to be kind and patient and gentle with like the supporting ligaments and tendons around our joints. Yeah, all the soft tissue. All the soft tissue yeah. so that um, we're increasing the strength of those 
tissues as well as our muscles. Right. As we then progress to heavier weights in the next block. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is like kind of the classic endurance strength training protocol has these has like the low weight high rep stuff is like the last phase mm-hmm. because the, the the old school thought was that like if we're going to go ride our bike or run we're doing pedal strokes or running strides like repeatedly over and over and over so they thought it made sense to do sets of you know high rep count sets of lighter weights of different strength which they've now since sort of debunked and gone the other way where like you need to build up to being able to do like small amounts of heavy weight lifting to get the benefits. But we, we like to do the low weight, high rep stuff progressively early on for just like you said, to yeah. kind and of I've noticed that benefit adapt. more and more as I've gotten older. Yeah, absolutely. So things feel sore around the joints and, and I want to make sure those tissues are strong. Yeah. Get everything like the structure solid, um, before we get start lifting the, lifting the heavier stuff. Um, well, good. Then on the squat deadlift kind of strength portion of the gym sessions, um, it's going to transform into the next five weeks or so where the first session of the week, so Monday, if you're following the plan, um, is kind of the building to he- gradually heavier loads. Um, so, And as we do that, we'll start doing fewer reps and possibly more sets as we go. So like this week, uh, this coming week, it's four sets of eight, and we're at 30%, 40%, 50%, and 60% of our one rep max, so gradually getting a little bit heavier. Um, and then the second session of the week is going to be more, I think of it more as like the, the maintenance volume set, and it's going to be a, not as heavy as the heavier one sets of the first session. It'll kind of go back a bit, in this case, 40 to 45% um, of that one rep max, and you're just going to do sets of eight and then eventually it'll get lower sets there too so sort of like the day one is where you're going to sort of push the limits of your strength getting a little heavier and then day two is where you'll take a half a step back do a little lighter but do consistent yeah i like that especially with um us racing wednesday night for cyclocross and saturday morning sometimes for cyclocross or both really yeah it's i i wouldn't want a super heavy session on thursday right right so it's um it's building more of that strength base so to speak um and then lastly the power sets um again we're going to be cycling back through um power set one and two which is our floor jumps and box jumps um and the way we're kind of progressing these as we cycle through them over the coming weeks is either adding more sets of the broad jump or squat jump and then in the case of the box jumps, gradually increasing the height of those box jumps, whether it's the depth jump down or the standard box jump up, just kind of gradually increasing the height. So it's just gradual progressions, again, is kind of the whole concept. So we minimize soreness, minimize chances of injury, but at the same time getting stronger and adapting to what we're doing. Um, and then on the bike, we're just continuing that low heart rate aerobic foundation training. So get outside. The weather's still really nice um, just about everywhere. And ride your bike outside because we're going to have plenty of, you know, more structured indoor stuff um, to come. And, um, you know, get outside, keep the heart rate low, build that foundation. Um, listen to our previous episode to get a clue on the low heart rate as stuff. As to why. Yeah, as to why. Why do we need <clears throat> to ride slowly? Exactly. Um, yeah, and then one little touch on that. This actually goes back maybe to the one of the first questions we had at the beginning of the show about getting started. I had a couple emails from people living in like temperate climates or, or, or even if they're in cold weather, 
and they just despise the trainer. Um, our base builder program is designed around a, quite a bit of trainer, indoor training, because it's in the winter, so most places it's cold and or dark. But if you live in Phoenix or you live in California or places that are, you know, you can still get outside, the workouts are adaptable to being outside. So don't let that stop you from not joining us. Um, with the exception of some of the workout, or sorry, warm-up drills we do that might not work great outside, but the bulk of the indoor structured workouts can be replicated outdoor outside. Absolutely. And you'll figure out where in your area to go for a certain workout. Yeah. So don't make it, don't think you have to do trainer workouts, although I highly recommend them and we'll have a whole show on that in the future of like the benefits of the indoor training and why we do it. Even way back when I was training in San Diego with my coach, and this is way before smart trainers, but we had Tuesday, uh, yeah, it's Tuesday and Thursday night trainer workouts, which is where I kind of grew this whole concept from. And, um, this was in San Diego in winter. We actually rode in the morning outside, and then we did the trainer workouts at night where we got our structure. Um, so there's value to it even if you live in great weather um, year-round. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We kind of covered everything there. Um, if you have questions, go to our forum, like we said, in endurance.session6.com forward slash forum. Um, or you can email us directly, either at Cody with a C at session6.com or Kathy with a K at session6.com as our email. And the six is a number not spelled out. Yes. Sessions, plural, and then the number six.com. Um, and then we'll also always finish it up with, uh, if you're not interested, maybe in our remote program, uh, we have some great base builder stock training plans that are great as well, um, a kind of previewable through either Training Peaks, that's where you purchase them, or um, off of our website, we have a whole section that explains that. But we have very much, a lot of what we're doing here in our remote base builder program, we have packaged in a stock training plan. Now, what we do annually in our remote and in-house base builder program is a little different. We try to improve it each year. Um, but if you need something shorter or just a little less expensive or whatever the case may be, um, you can get those as well. And a lot of the, what we talk about here in the show pertains directly to what you'd be doing in those. Um, and then lastly, please subscribe to our yeah, podcast. We'd love that. Yeah. Thank you. Leave a rating, five-star rating, hopefully. And reviews are great. That'll help us climb up the ranks and people can find us easier searching on iTunes. Um, that's where we're available now. And then when we get, I think it's like 10 shows in, we'll be able to submit to other providers as well, like uh, SoundCloud and iHeartRadio or iHeart or whatever it's called. So... Um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for if listening. You're racing this weekend. Good luck. Have fun Have if fun. you're doing anything. Cyclocross, mountain bike, r final road races of the season. Um, and we'll be back at you again next week with episode eight. All right, take care. Thanks.